It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. You know, I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Art Sobchak. Founder of Business by Phone and author of the best-selling book, Smart Calling, Eliminate the Fear, Failure, and Rejection from Cold Calling. And Art has trained thousands of business owners, sales leaders, and sales reps on how to develop new business using cold calling. Now, this is one of my people listen to the show, and this is one of my favorite topics, because after all, nothing happens in sales until they have a prospect. But these days, there are all sorts of conflicting views out there about cold calling, alternatively telling business owners and sales leaders that cold calling is dead and that social selling and inbound marketing or some combination of all three are the right answer and others thinking that, hey, cold calling still has a real place out there. So the question is, I guess, for Art, we're going to talk about is cold calling dead? And if not, what can we all do to get better at it? So Art Subject, welcome to the show. Well, Andy, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure to be here. So... We've got you teed up here <laughs> with your favorite subject. But before we get into it, just take a minute, fill out the introduction I gave of you, and you know, introduce yourself. How'd you get your start in sales? Well, originally, do we want to go all the way back? <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Well, well, first I was born, and, and actually I always tell this story. Everybody is a born salesperson, if you think about it. I mean, who are the best salespeople in the world? Kids, right? Yeah. So everybody is a born salesperson. I mean, kids are great at, at asking why and asking questions and, and asking for the money. I mean, my kids are grown, and they still know how to ask for the money. <laughs> As mine, yes. <laughs> the thing is, is a lot of people get out of it, and they don't make it their profession. But uh, to, to answer your question on a more serious basis, I actually was still kind of a kid when I had my first sales job. I was I was 13 years old and I would jump on the bus with a, another buddy and we'd go into downtown Omaha and I had a job selling tickets for the policemen's fraternal order of police actually, uh, fundraiser circus. And in retrospect, there, there probably wasn't even a circus. I think it might have been a scam, but it was, <laughs> it was my first paid sales job with somebody other than my parents actually giving me money. And then it seems like I had sales jobs all throughout high school and college, many of them on the phone. And as luck would have it, I had my first corporate job with the old AT&T, uh, not, the, not the current AT&T, the old AT&T at what was called their Bell System Telemarketing Center, where right. it was a showcase on how people could use, and telemarketing wasn't a bad word at that time in the early 80s, and actually they promoted it pretty heavily. But I, I was on the phone in, I guess what you would call today a call center, where we were working with businesses on how they could set up their own telemarketing or inside sales. And of course, we're selling the, the Bell System services in the process. And, and pretty quickly, and I always knew I wanted to have my, my own deal. So pretty quickly, I figured out a way that I could do that on my own. So I left there with a the partner and, and formed my own company, which uh, eventually morphed into a mostly a training company. We were mm -hmm. Consulting at the time, but I realized that consulting is where you try to make yourself obsolete if you do a good job. Where training people are going to need forever. So there's there's the the long answer to a short question. No, very good, very good. So here's the question. We'll kick off the conversation with this: Why are people so anxious to kill the cold call? Well, uh, let me define a cold call, and and I do agree that uh, the cold call should be killed. 
The cold call I define as a salesperson calling someone that they don't know, who doesn't know them, and they're giving everybody the same pitch. So they're kind of smiling and dialing, throwing it up against the wall, seeing, seeing what sticks. They're, they're uninformed, and, and it truly is cold. And that, and that should be killed. And, and actually, I think that that is dead because today, let's face it, people have no time for almost anything, let alone speaking with someone who doesn't know anything about them. Now, the calling part is not dead. And I believe the people out there who who do uh, preach from the mountaintops that that prospecting is dead have their own agendas because they're trying to sell their programs on social media, social selling, and I'm not even quite sure exactly what that is. I've, I've got an idea, uh, and and they they proclaim that you you should be creating content and blogging and tweeting and and emailing and, and doing all these things because. Uh, you, the calling doesn't work anymore. Well, that's that's completely false because all we have to do is talk to somebody who's doing it very successfully. And there are hundreds of thousands of sales reps who are doing that, but they're doing it the right way. And about five years ago, my, my book, Smart Calling, came out. And smart calling is based on something that I've been teaching for a long time. And it's really a pretty simple concept that makes a tremendous amount of sense. And that is, hey, let's know something about the people that we're calling. And not only the people, but their situations, their world, what's going on in their environment, their company, any trigger events that are going on. So that we can craft a message that is going to be relevant to them, that's going to provide some possible value so that we first can grab their attention, engage in a conversation, and then earn the right to move further into that conversation. And, and that really what, what smart calling is, is all about, which is, again, being, being informed and uh, plugging some intelligence about our, our prospect into our messaging. So again, we can, we can get them interested and, and engaged and then earn the right to go to the next step in the process. Which I think is, is absolutely right. And it's a best practice. I know you developed through experience. I developed through experience myself over my sales career. You know, but why does it seem to be so hard for companies to actually implement that in their sales team? Because there seems to be this, this sort of push me, pull you forces where, especially you see it in like software as a service businesses that are really you know, pioneering this sort of specialized sales model with business development reps or sales development reps is that it almost seems like they don't really have the time given the goals they have to really do this personalization. And I, I'm sure you're like me, I'm, I'm on the receiving end of outreach all the time from uh, well-meaning, well-intentioned sales reps, I believe from, you know, what companies I consider sort of have state-of-the-art sales practices and they haven't done that initial, you know, research, they haven't had that personalization there. Well, Andy, I've been doing this for 33 years, been in business 33 years, and I don't have the answer to that. It's, it really does boggle my mind why more people don't do it. I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to continually run into a brick wall, it just makes sense that after I get hurt so many times, I'm going to stop doing it and figure out what's the way, <laughs> what's the methodology to use that, that's not going to cause me pain. And, uh, and I've got a lot of different theories on this. One is 
many, many sales organizations, as, as you know, are truly dysfunctional because they're, they, they have a sales department in place, but they, for, for a variety of reasons, sales managers are either not trained, they're, they're lazy, they're overburdened with other tasks such as uh, maybe reading reports or creating reports. And they're, they're not taking the time to train their salespeople in the right way. And then very importantly, to, to monitor and mentor and coach them as to what the sales rep should be doing. And so many organizations will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on the next shiny object, whether it be technology or, or, or marketing or whatever it might be that uh, are, are, uh, they, they look at as perhaps quick fixes to try to get the results that they're looking for when really one of the quickest fixes would be to invest in the messaging and the people and, and what is being said and communicated when the rubber really hits the road. Because bottom line, uh, sales are made when people are talking to people. Now, granted, all this other sales enablement and, and social selling, uh, and, and by the way, I make fun of social selling, and I read a good definition of it the other day, and, and basically what it is is what I've been talking about for years, and that is let's, <laughs> let's do whatever we can to warm up our call and, and get right. intelligence before we talk with somebody. And, exactly. And, and it kills me. All these people are saying, now we're doing social selling. It's like, no, you're not doing social selling. What you're doing is you're being smart about your approach in the whole sales process. So I, th I think there's so many labels put on things. I mean, before it was sales 2.0, and I still don't know what that is. I'm glad that's gone. <laughs> well, I, I believe it or not, I've seen sales 3.0 thrown out there. But anyway, go ahead. Well, it, I, I, I've given a presentation before. How about this one? People 1.0. <laughs> right. Well, and, and it still does, as you said, it boils down to people talking to people. And, but the point I was making, because I think it really part of the issue we're finding in terms of why some of these great best practices that, that you talk about maybe aren't making their way effectively down into the team level is because, yeah, managers are have these uh, incentives or metrics being put out there. Say, look, you got to make 50 calls, 50 contacts today. And, you know, and a lot of like software service companies, if they get, you know, three conversations out of 50 contacts, I think that's victory where I'd say, gosh, I'd rather be better prepared. I'm going to make 25 contacts and I'm going to convert 20% of those to, because I'm going to be much more effective in terms of I understand the prospect, their needs. You've got that personalization you talked about and the messaging is great. Then why, why make more calls when I can make fewer and get better outcomes? Well, the the easy answer to that is is that for managers the easiest thing for them to do is say let's let's wrap up the activity and when when you wrap up the activity now all of a sudden they can report back to to their management saying well yeah we're we're hitting our our activity we've got people on the phone uh, I, I just did a, a, a YouTube video on this where I, I, the title of it is sales and prospecting is not a numbers game. It's a quality game. And, and I give, I mean, it's absurd if you apply this to any other profession. I mean, if a, if a basketball player went out and took a shot from every, any place on the court, wherever they received the ball, uh, they granted, granted, they might put up a lot of shots, but they're probably not going to score a lot. And what if we took that same approach 
with, uh, well, if, if, if we only just hit on a few, we're going to be successful. Would, would that apply to airline pilots or, or surgeons or cooks? <laughs> so, so, again, it's, it's the easiest thing to do for, for a manager, particularly managers that maybe aren't well trained in, in how to train themselves and how to mentor and, and how to coach the, the messaging. And that's why uh, for the companies that don't invest in the soft skills, the, the fallback, the default is, well, let's just put in more activity. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, is, is, is total insanity. Right. All right. So getting back to the call itself, you used the expression, say, get a win on every call. So tell us what you mean by that. Well, and yeah, let me, let me even back up here. One of the reasons that people are reluctant to, to make prospecting or, or smart calls is the, the R word that is typically associated with cold calling. And again, rejection. I, yeah, rejection, right? Well, I mean, let, let's think about this. In, in prospecting, we're, we're definitely going to get no's, right? Uh, but is rejection getting a no? No, of course not. When, when I give my seminars, I always ask the question, who here has been rejected before on a phone call? And I mean, people just shoot their arms up in the air. And people are commiserating with each other. And, and I say, okay, well, yeah, that, that's fine. I said, well, how do you know? How do you know? So I get all kinds of answers like, oh, well, I got to know. Or they went with somebody else. Or they told me to take them off their list or off my list. Or... It's their tone, their dial tone. They get hung up on. <laughs> so, and all the answers are normally the same. So, so then my next point is, okay, that's, that's fine. If anybody's ever been on the phone and prospecting any period of time, you're going to run into those things because those things are inevitable. But those are things that happen to you. Okay. Now, is rejection what happens to you or the way you define what happens to you? It's always the way you define it. I can take two, mm -hmm. two salespeople. They both place the same number of calls. They both got the same number of no's. One could be completely devastated and say, oh, God, I got 20 no's today. I got rejected 20 times. Can't wait to do it again tomorrow. <laughs> right. Then I could take the other sales rep that said, well, you know what? I accomplished my primary objective three times. I got three meetings set up. And the rest of the time, at least I accomplished my secondary objective where I asked the question about when their current contract is up. And I planted a seed for the future by giving them something to look for in the meantime. So for example, I might say, well, I'll tell you what, Andy, I, I understand it may not be a fit today, but if you ever find yourself in a situation where you need a specific part overnight and your local supplier isn't able to give it to you, we would guarantee we'd have it on your doorstep the next day. So if that ever happens, you'll have my information, give me a call. Well, and I think that's, uh, if I can interject, I think that's just such a great tip. And for people listening to this, uh, whether you're managing, you got responsibility for training or your sales rep listening to this is when you get that first objection or that no is so often when I get those calls and I, yeah, I, I always use them as training exercises for the people calling me. They just put their tail between their legs and slink away. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. I, I go down to Mexico a couple times a year. I go down to Cabo and I love observing the beach vendors because it's almost like these people are hard of hearing. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> because they're, they're hearing no after no after no. And, and that's just with uh, each person they go up to because they might hear three or four no's at a time. Now, granted, I'm not suggesting that, that you pester somebody. But what I am suggesting is that we have this mentality of, okay, you know, we're, we're going to get no's a, a larger percentage of the time than we're going to get a yes. And we don't need to get a yes every time to be successful. And even when we do get the no, let's figure out what I can accomplish each and every time. Now, by the same token, I'm not a believer in the old myth that for every no you get, you're that much closer to a yes. That's only true if you're doing the right things to get the result that you're looking for. So I, I was golfing with a guy the other day who joined our threesome, and the guy was absolutely horrible. I mean, nice guy, but he was just absolutely horrible. I mean, he was sprayed it all over the place. I had this horrible, awkward swing, and he, and he kept saying, well, you know, if I just played better, or excuse me, if I just played more, I'd get better. And I thought to myself, I didn't have the heart to tell him, but, but I'm thinking, no, you'll just get better at being bad, <laughs> ingraining the, the horrible habits. I mean, right. You got to be doing the right thing to, to get the result that you're looking for. So if salespeople you know, get the no, that's fine. And, and I always suggest something else too, at the end of the call, break it down and ask yourself this question. What could I have done differently on this call? So if you get a no, let's make it a learning experience. I mean, salespeople get a graduate degree in, in a short period of time, if they a graduate degree in sales, if they would just simply learn from, from every single call. Well, I also think that my point I was making is, and you, based on the example you gave, is that oftentimes when the customer or the prospect gives you that first no, they sort of start letting their barrier down. And so if you follow up, as you said, hey, if you have future need and you know something comes up, you know, we'd be guaranteed delivery. Well, that opens up a whole new avenue of conversation. And so my experience has been is that rather than just saying, oh, okay, thank you, you know, hanging up when somebody says no, have something prepared that says, yeah, what am I leaving behind to serve the future reason to be in touch with you? And oftentimes that leads to the conversation you want to have. Well, yeah, and, and in, in my workshops, we actually talk about where you're getting the no, because a, a no at the back end of a sales process is a lot different than getting a no in the first 10 seconds of a phone call. And that's not an objection. I call it a triple R. A triple R is a resistant reflex response. They get a phone call, they detect salesperson, immediately first thing out of their mouth is, oh, we're good, we're all set, not interested. And, and I think what you're referring to is the, them turning tail and leaving. Uh, what I suggest is what, what's called a pattern interrupt, which you'd be probably familiar with from, from psychology. You, we throw something at them that they're not expecting and we, we ask them a question. So for example, if, if I had an opening statement and even though if it was pretty good, if somebody came back and said, oh, we're all set, we're good with who we're using. Uh, the, the, the process I suggest here is just simply make a, an innocuous statement such as, oh, I see, I understand, or hey, not a problem. Um, so tell me, what are you using now for, and, and so I'm, I'm just asking a, and it's almost like I didn't hear it, so I'm just asking you a question. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, people are, people are conditioned to answer a question. Now granted, it's, I mean, this isn't going to be a, the, the highest percentage play because you might have somebody at this point that says, look, moron, which part <laughs> of didn't you get? <laughs> but then like one of my first sales managers in corporate life said, you know, what does the barber say? Next. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. We're going to take a short break and come back with my guest, Art Subject, talks more about 
effective prospecting techniques over the phone. Be right back. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back with my guest today, Art Sobchak. And we were just talking about good techniques for initial contact on the phone and so on. So one of the, the problems we see, and, and I'm sure you teach about the dangers of this, is people that are too reliant on a script when they're making that call. How do you, how do you break that reliance on a script? Well, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in well, I'm not, not saying you shouldn't have a script, but you know, people basically reading it as opposed to internalizing it and, and making it sound natural and conversational. There's the difference. There's the difference. And, and uh, funny, if we, if we really break this down, the people that are very resistant to scripts, I, I always ask them why, and they say, well, I don't want to sound scripted. And then I ask them, well, what does sound is, what does sounding scripted sound like? And they say, well, it sounds like you're reading from it. I said, well, actually, that that's wrong because here's the thing. Why do people have scripts? Why do actors have scripts? So that they can sound natural and they can have something prepared that's going to elicit the audience response that they're looking for, right? So really, we, we have scripts so that we don't sound canned. And, and to, to really give the accurate definition of this, we don't want to sound like we're, we're reading something. So what people are really afraid of and what everybody hates is, is just sounding canned, like, again, like they're reading something or, or being read to. Adults don't like to be read to. Kids do. So here's, here's the thing. We can totally script out the, the front end of a call, and, and we should. We, we should have our voicemail totally prepared. We should have our opening. And by the way, those two should be almost one and the same. Uh, we should have answers to possible screener questions prepared. They want to know what the calls are reference to. We very quickly should be able to answer that. This should not be a surprise. And we should have our initial questions prepared as well as where we're going to go with the answers. Now, all those things are scripted. I mean, you look at any truly smooth salesperson, they know where they're going to go. And at one point it was probably written out. They may not still have it there in front of them, but, but it is planned. So new salespeople, it is very, very important. And, and I, we spend a ton of time on this in, in my training because a word or two here or there can have a tremendous amount of difference. That's why when somebody says, oh, I just get on the phone, I like to wing it. And that's why people go down in flames. Because when you wing it, you're, you're, you get into stream of consciousness and then you're, you're just filling up, uh, filling up dead air. And people are making a decision within about two or three seconds whether they're going to listen to you to the next five and the next ten. And uh, if, if we don't get their attention right at that point, they get into the let's get rid of this salesperson frame of mind. Oh, absolutely. And I just uh, buttress that. I mean, as I like to say, is, you know, sales is not time for improvisation. It's time for preparation. Mm, I like that one. I'll, I'll write that one down. 
yeah, just make sure you attribute it to me. <laughs> but it's, but yeah, it's absolutely true in all cases. Preparation. So in the case of a script, if you have a script, is it's just it's another form of public speaking. And what do you do when you have a speech or public speaking? Is is you memorize it and you practice it until it becomes natural. And the practice comes not just when you're actually doing it with customers, but also before you make that first call. I had a a coaching client. I don't do a lot of one-on-one coaching, but this this guy assured me that he was going to do what it what it took to to be successful. Actually, he was kind of desperate. He was a, a guy that had built up a, a pretty nice company in the workman's comp space. Then he sold it. Uh, made a ton of money. Then he got involved in some bad investments, got divorced, pretty much lost everything. And at the age of uh, 58, he had to go back into the workforce. And the only thing he knew was work was comp. So he had to start his company all over again. And he realized that things had changed since he first built it when he was in his 20s. So he he contacted me and he I mean, really desperate, begging me, saying, hey, I got to change. I'm, I'll do what it takes. And so I, I worked with him. I put him through my training. And we were working on, of course, he had to he had to work on prospecting. So we worked on his on his opening, and and we came up with some really good messaging. But he was horrible at the beginning in delivering it. And I said, well, what you need to do is you need to recite this into a recorder, and keep doing it until you sound natural. And he said, well, geez, what if it takes me a hundred times? I said, do it a hundred and one. And he on our next call a week later. He, he contacted me and I said, okay, deliver it. And he did. And he sounded purely natural, like very conversational. Like it was the first time he ever said it. I said, how many times do you have to do that? He said, 75. And the, the lesson there is, hey, it may not be natural for everybody, but with practice, we, we can make it natural. And, and you're right. I, I do hear sales reps who call me. We all get those calls where, yeah, obviously they're just reading from something. And in many cases, it's not very well written either. Yeah. Well, you, always, you always have that. Well, a question that, that always comes up uh, when you know, I talk to groups and work with sales teams is, should they leave voicemails? Because yeah, you know, statistics are what eighty percent of uh, business to business phone calls are going to go to voicemail. So, what's your response to that? Absolutely, you should. Here's why: several reasons. Number one, you've already done the heavy lifting if you have a a smart calling approach. Heavy lifting being, I've done my research, I've got a good possible value proposition, I know what I'm going to say if I reach this person on the phone. So why in the world wouldn't I, if I have the opportunity, why wouldn't I leave that message on your voicemail to have an opportunity to pique some curiosity? Now, here's the thing with voicemail. Don't expect a return call. A good voicemail leaves a question in somebody's mind that they want the answer to. And it, it's going to be value oriented and it's going to, to pique their curiosity and they're thinking, hmm, okay, I wonder how they do that. I wonder what that is. So when your call comes in next time, if they see caller ID, they might pick it up. Or if it goes to voicemail and we leave the message again, they might return your call. And or if you use a multimedia approach, which I suggest, which is backing up your phone call with an email or another form of communication, you give them the opportunity to reply to that. 
And so now what we're doing is we're hitting them with multiple messages, consistent messages. By the way, it shouldn't be a different message every time. I mean, Walmart doesn't change their slogan every day, right? So if you've got a big gun that's going to apply to them, that don't change it. So again, we, we want to leave that question they want the answer to. What you don't want to do in voicemail is give them enough information that they can make a decision they don't want to speak with you. You never want to talk about your product. You never want to talk about, I want to meet with you. I want to invite you to a webinar because then I don't need to speak with you. But if I tell you that, uh, hey, Andy, I, I was reviewing your profile on LinkedIn and I, I see the type of companies that you work with. We've worked with other sales trainers similar to you. And I've got an idea here that's really helped them in, in many cases increase their client engagements by, in some cases, up to 50%. I, I'd simply like to ask you a couple of questions here, see if I can provide you some information. So all I've done there is I've told you about some possible results. Uh, I've, I've included some uh, social proof there. I've done it with other people similar to yours. And the biggest decision you have to make is, do you want to answer some questions if, if we do speak? No, it's great. That's perfect. You, you piqued their curiosity. You gave them something of value that they can use and social proof at the same time. And yeah, they may not pick up the phone and call you, but if you do follow back that up with an email, then you increase the engagement pretty significantly. Yeah, there's and there's a lot to be said for for persistence. And, and I get questions all the time: How many calls should you place before you give up? And and my answer to that is: How would I know? For your situation, I mean, how badly do you want to speak with that person? Well, it's so funny because there are people that answer that question. That's why I'm laughing because yeah, I hear a question. I hear answers to that question ranging from twelve to twenty-one. So I like your answer best of all, because it's the one that makes sense. Yeah, I did. I mean, there was a guy doing some work on my patio and he's a contractor. And, and, and I said, uh, so Mike, how long does it take to build a house? <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, right? Right. <laughs> Great question. Well, good. Well, Art, thank you for that. We're going to go into the last segment of our show where I've got some standard questions asked all my guests. And when I finish that, we'll give you an opportunity to tell people how they can find out more about you and your business. So the first question is really a hypothetical scenario. And you're the, you're the star of the show. And this is you've just been hired as a new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out and they're anxious to get unstuck. Senior management really wants to get things going. So your first week on the job, what two things could you do that would have the biggest impact? Well, the first thing you have to do is get a, get a picture of where are we right now. So that there would be more than two things. I would want to listen to to sales calls. I would want to sit down with with sales reps. I'd want to talk to them after I again had had analyzed wh what are the players doing here on the field. It'd be kind of like a coach who is hired into a uh, either a college, into a new university or, or, or a team and uh, watching film of the players playing. What, what are they doing right now? And then I'd want to really dig into what, what is our sales process here? If they have one, I'd want to take a look at their sales playbook and figure out what have they been taught? How have they been onboarded? What, what kind of training have they received? before I would make any changes because we got to figure out well, what's the lay of the land here. And then based on all that, you got to figure out are, are there good systems in place? And if so, then we got to figure out what's going wrong with those systems. And if they aren't in place, then that, that's probably going to be the, the biggest part of the problem. And then you also you have to, to figure out, do I have the right players? 
who who are in the right situation to to be successful. So again, that and there's no simple answer there. So, the, but but that's what I would do. And by the way, I'm I'm really not qualified to answer that question. I'm horrible. I'm a horrible manager. That's why I, <laughs> I, I I've had salespeople in in the past, and and I'm. I'm uh, I'm just not a good good manager. I, yeah, you're you're a solopreneur now. That's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. So here's some some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers. You can elaborate if you wish. The first one is when you are are out selling yourself. What's your most powerful sales asset? Most uh, asset in terms of a physical asset? Well, no, no. In terms of what you do, what sales uh, attributes? Your most powerful sales attribute? Oh, oh, my. I would say it is being inquisitive. Being curious, I want to know the why. I want to know the why. If I look at almost every sale I've gotten, I've figured out why are they interested in, in buying from me or, or hiring from me. And the thing is, if, 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 if we can figure out the why and get somebody talking, get them talking about their why, if we just get out of the way, they're going to sell themselves. Right. Okay, next question. Who's your sales role model? Who is my sales role model? Jeez, and again, I'm not, I'm not big on having a just one of of anything out there because sure. I mean, if you look at my walls, probably like you, I, I've got just about every sales book that that's ever that's ever been printed. So it, it would be a, a combination of, of of a lot of people. So I, I guess I'm going to have to cop out on on that question. I, I just don't have one person and say that's 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 amazing. <laughs> that person's amazing. Can you give me two? Give you two. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to tell you one one book that isn't necessarily a sales book. And I don't know if this was a question about what books I read, but. Uh, when, when people say, what's one book that every salesperson should have, it's, it's the book Influence by Robert Cialdini. Because let's face it, sales is psychology. And in, uh, in, in Cialdini's book, he, he really crawls inside the minds of why people do what they do. And he comes up with this uh, and he has his principles of, of influence. And if you look at that, almost everything that we do as, as buyers and what good salespeople do uh, fall with, within or under the umbrella of, of Cialdini's principles. So I, I tremendously admire the, the work that he's done over the years, and he's come out with a couple other, couple other follow-up books. So if, if, if anybody doesn't have that book on their shelves, they, they need to uh, go online and get it right away. Okay, great recommendation. That was my follow-on question. So under your sales model, since it's blank, we'll just put my name in there. Um, <laughs> so this is a tough question coming up. So what music's on your playlist right now? What music is on my playlist? I, I, I like a wide variety of music. I like, I like classic rock. I also... Who's, like, who's your favorite in classic rock? Uh, you know, you can't go wrong with the Stones. You, you, I, I, like the, I like the Doobie Brothers. Um, I, I like some of the, the old Led Zeppelin. Yeah, so, good stuff. That, that's kind of my era there. But yeah, I don't, I don't mind some of the newer stuff as well. And, and occasionally I, I like... When I want to listen to the words of a song, I'll, I'll turn on country. <laughs> ah, country. Very interesting. Okay. Didn't figure you for a country guy. Very good. So what's the first sales activity you do every day? Well, the first sales activity I do is, I guess you would call it a sales activity. And, and that is I, I get online. And of course, like most people, I, I check email. But something else that I do, and it isn't necessarily the, the, the first thing, but 
well, I'm checking email in bed. <laughs> I know that's that's not. I, and I get up really, really early. Normally, I'm up by five, four o'clock or so. And then what I do is I, I get to the gym. And then when I get to the gym, what I'm doing is I'm I'm reading sales material. So uh, aside from the admin stuff with the email, what something that that's directly re, or contributing to to my sales success is feeding my mind and. Uh, again, I, I can't get enough of, of sales material. We'll never, we'll never graduate from this school. No, no, it's like trying to perfect golf. Um, so interesting. I just, I have to follow up. So, you, what are you doing in the gym that enables you to read sales material? Well, I've, I've got a routine where I do. Uh, I, I do weights three days a week, but I'm doing cardio every day as well. So I'm on I'm on the elliptical machine there. Right, my, my knees have uh, been shot, old football injury and basketball for for a number of years. So I'm doing the elliptical. I've got my iPad there. And I've got, got it. Okay, got my headphones uh, plugged in. All right. Well, I just want to make sure you weren't uh, you know running on a treadmill trying to read at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so well, good. Well, Art, I want to thank you for being my guest today. If you could tell folks how to find out more about you. Well, I've got a number of uh, websites where I've got a lot of free material. Let me give you a couple here. My blog also has the, the, the new YouTube videos that we're putting up every other week, and you can get a free ebook there as well, a 501 sales tips. So I'll send you to that site. And it's pretty simple. It's smartcalling.com, smartcalling.com. So from there, you'll be able to go everywhere else and just get a, a ton of free stuff. And if you want to go to the next level, there's opportunities for that there as well. All right. Well, excellent. Well, thank you again for joining us. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is an easy way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Art Subject, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your sales. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.